Welcome back to another episode of the Freelds Daily Show. I'm your host, Freelds Daily, and today we have a special guest host, G. And today we are going to cover a hot topic in the Brian Flores. What do you think about that, G, so far? What's going on with that? Man, it's it's one of those uh, weird it's one of them weird times, you know what I mean? Like, things happen, and sometimes you think, like, is this going to be, like, the turning point? Is this going to be, you know, just more lip service where, you know, they come out, they say the right things, you know, and then, like, they may look like things are going in the right direction, but then it kind of goes back to what it was. You just never know. And, and, and we've had some success stories in Art Shell, Tony Dungy, Dennis Green, even Mike Singletary. Even though he didn't do that well with the 49ers, it was still a, a pretty successful position for him to have. And then, of course, we can't take away from Mike Tomlin, 15 years now with the Steelers and hasn't once had a losing season. Do you think that this is a situation where it's it's about experience or do you think that it's actually a problem that's going around in the league in every aspect of it and been going around. I mean, we knew we knew early on that it, that it was an issue, but do you still think it's really an issue now? Uh, I do. Um, I mean, you think about it, the, primarily um, most of the people, most of the African-Americans or any other ethnicity that, that, that try to coach other than, you know, white or Caucasian, um, typically players, Right. Right. So they've the majority of their life has been spent playing the game at the highest levels. So then when they go to transition to being a coach, there's there's an experience gap there. You know, the, the clock management, the, the managing, you know, the offensive offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator. Uh, you know, a lot of times coaches are talking with you know, even if your offense is on the field and it looks like you might be getting ready to come off the field, now you're talking to the defense, to the defensive coordinator, okay, maybe we saw this last time, you know, let's let's try to get something worked out because we think they're going to come out in this set or whatever. Um, so there's a lot of multitasking that's going on there. It, obviously, the, co- the head coaches are making the calls but uh, in most cases, but there's a lot of other pieces that are moving, and you have to know how to move those pieces. And you can't really learn that unless you've had time. And a lot of the head coaches that couldn't play, they start really young. You know, they're, you know, 20-something years old, and they come up under several different head coaches. They see all of this stuff in action. So by the time they get to the point of being a head coach, they've got all of those nuances figured out. When you most of these coaches that are African American, they come in, they've probably been coaching for a couple years, maybe two, three years, um, and then you know they they're on a good good team, they do a good job, they get thrown into a head co- coaching spot. Right, and you had mentioned with Brian Flores his last two years, it wasn't actually all that bad, but I believe you said ten and six the first year, and then what was it again, nine and. Nine, ten and six and nine and seven, I believe it was. Right. And, and yeah. so I, I wanted to ask too, you know, do you think that this is just in coaching positions? Because the Las Vegas Raiders just hired 
Champ Kelly as their assistant general manager. And it seems like in the more, you know, upper office areas, that's not doesn't seem to be an issue so much as it is in the coaching selections. Yeah, no, I, I definitely think there's and I think a lot of that is that they lean on the relationships that, that they can make, especially, you know, you're when you have ex-players. A GM can kind of speak to players and speak to, you know, agents in a way that's familiar to them. So it gives them kind of a, an even playing field, whereas, you know, when they come in, if they're talking to somebody who only knows, you know, dollar signs and things like that, then it, it doesn't have that same feel. Right. Um, so it's harder to persuade, you know, if you've got a free agent, really an open market, you're trying to persuade them to come there. You know, dollars don't always uh, make it make the most sense. And you want to have those kind of guys in your front office. Uh, that's a that's a big plus when it comes to that head coaching. Again, it comes down to really. Can that guy run the day to day? And so. I really think it's the experience thing. And, and honestly, you know, it, it, you can look at it both ways. You know, they could they set them up better? Could the coach set themselves up better? Things like that with, you know, uh, maybe better assistant coaches that maybe have a little more experience that maybe are really head coaching material, but that can kind of guide you. They're really almost mentoring you even though you're the head coach, mentoring you as far as the nuances of being a head coach. That and, and, then, and, and then you would also come to the fact that, you know, even leading up to that point, whether they're starting off as defensive coordinator, offensive coordinator, or even linebackers coach, things like that, you know, the, the foundation set in front of them with that standpoint, are they getting the opportunity to be able to succeed with that and given the best op- tools to succeed, to be able to grow into once they do become head coach and have that opportunity or even offensive defense coordinator and those opportunities, were they, were they given the proper tools to, to lead up to that point? And I think that that plays a part in it as well, because the the Rooney rule doesn't just apply to head coaches, correct? It's something across the board for coaches in general in each slot, or am I wrong? Nope. You're right. So they, you know, it's, it's a situation where I feel like, people need to start going out and looking for this talent and not, I, I almost want to say not even the Rooney rule, but like you, you, if, if you're looking for that talent, are you, are you only doing the Rooney rule because you have to, or are you actually looking for talent and interviewing the people that have talent? I mean, you make, make several good points there. Um, I think a lot of times they look up, they look at it as if you're a head coach, you're hiring your staff. I mean, I guess maybe that they look at that. Maybe that's more of a, that that's up to you to surround yourself with the right coaching. Um, as far as I think really the, the, so because the, the Rooney rule is, is does apply has a wide application. Right. But I think the issue is, is more so that we see plenty of assistant coaches on the sidelines. That doesn't seem to be the issue, but the 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 real deficiency is with the head coaches, the face of the coaching staff. Right. That's where we're seeing the the big dip. We're not seeing any any real 
significant dent in those numbers. And anytime we have, you know, a, a, a situation where there's a larger number of African-American coaches, it really is only for about a one to two season cycle and then they're gone. Um, and one, you know, one last thing you, you said that, that kind of stuck in my head there was you said, are they getting the, you know, what they need to succeed. But really, I think what has to be identified is, is it, that is really the only option, right? They're not, we're not seeing them given the leeway to possibly lose in order to grow to be better. I mean, Bill Belichick had several stops prior to, you know, uh, the Patriots. And he wasn't if he was an all if he was an all time coach there, he wouldn't be where he is now. They he would have never left. Right. He had to take those he had to be given the the the, the leeway to, to lose. Right. And that's the issue, is that we're seeing, you know, and especially in this case it makes even less sense because he had been success two winning seasons. Right. Um and and I had posted something earlier on my social. Um Miami has had in the last 13 years, Miami has had two 10 plus win seasons. And he has one of them. So it's crazy that with that history of not being productive, that he comes in and, and actually produces wins and and is still out. Yet right. we have a, another new coach, you know, Brian Flores is new. We have another new coach up in Detroit. And he's three and three and thirteen in his tenure there, but yet he still has a job, right? So now, the, one thing that I did see that you you posted on social media I, that I didn't think was a, a good example it was uh, Dallas Cowboys, and the reason why I say that is because that you know. I feel like they give whoever their head coach is several years to lose and not really build anything. I think that's just like a, a Dallas Cowboys history kind of history repeats itself kind of deal. You know, I, I, it's, I don't know. They get many, many chances and, and don't really succeed in that, in that franchise. We, it's not just it, but it's not just the cow. I know what you're saying, and I and I agree with that to an extent. Um, but it's think about how many head coaches we have in the league league right now that have lost other places, and had had the time, and then they get another job, go right into another job. Immediately after we saw, you know, we've seen the Spagnolos, and we've seen you know go from high, very high profile jobs. In in big markets, and then immediately they they have some down years, and immediately jump onto a new job. Or for example, a- the Doug Peterson who was fired from the Eagles and is now going to be named the new head coach of the Jacksonville Jaguars. That's exactly that would be a perfect example, I think, uh, of somebody that didn't really succeed and comes in and gets a, another position this quick. Yeah, Jim Harbaugh. Jim Harbaugh has is historically in the NFL. Just he left, basically left, kind of at, at shame. Went back to college. Has had actually a lot of subpar, 
years at Michigan. And then, of course, uh, this past season had a really good year. And immediately has an interview and an offer, apparently, from for the Vikings that he chose to decline. Right. But, like, again, we're seeing another coach who has a history of – and the reason I use Mike McCarthy is because similar to Jim Harbaugh, they have a history of certain deficiencies. And right. even with those, they are still provided – New, they're, they're providing new opportunities for head coaches. Yet this young African-American coach who has been successful and who has had a better record than several than several of the past Miami Dolphins coaches. Gone for for no reason. So it's if there, it wasn't like there was any you know issues within the organization. There was a uh, you know sometimes there's a tiff between the GMs and the owner or whatever it may be. This was just kind of off the cuff. We need to go so you know go another route. Right. And then I think a big thing the firing you know it's a company right so companies can fire whoever they want. For me, I I think the bigger issue is the te- the the issue with the next position so you're under you're already dealing with being fired and you there was really no cause for it and then what you think is an upcoming opportunity the world is is raving about you so you're feeling you got to be feeling pretty good about your chances of getting a position and you get a text message from another coach con- thinking that you're somebody else congratulating you for a job that you think is still open. Right. So that and and let's talk about let's let's talk about that in just a moment. Uh but before we do that, I want to take a moment to please subscribe to the Frills Daily Show on YouTube and make sure to listen and share the podcast on Anchor, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and follow on Facebook. So back to what you were saying with the text messaging between Bill Belichick and Brian Flores, he was thinking that he had an opportunity at that head coaching position, but he was talking to the wrong person. I call BS on that. I think that that was a major mistake on Bill Belichick's part. You got to know who you're talking to, first of all. Second of all, you kind of let him know that somebody else was already hired and to assume that it's him and not looking at, you know, using the excuse, oh, I read my text message wrong. My fault. I I, I, I don't buy that. I don't buy that. And I, I think that that just fueled the fire to get this all started as well. Yeah, it's it's almost like it's childlike, right? Like the argument doesn't make sense. So if if you're if a team is in the middle, if they are in the middle of of interviews, where would you get the information saying that you? Where would you get the information saying that 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 person got the job? Because if it was I read my text message wrong, then you would be replying to my text message, right? So that's right. the same thread. There's no way for you to message somebody else if you're replying to text messages. Correct. It means that you were reached out to, you heard through the grapevine about the the hiring. 
Okay. So then you felt compelled to then respond and send a message out to a supposed, I'm assuming a friend and, and congratulate them. So that speaks to the culture because then that means that blatantly whoever had the information about the hiring was, was reaching out and telling other people in the league already. So why, if that was, if that's out of place to do, why would you put that information? You get what I mean? Like if, if it wasn't commonplace for people to be doing, to be interviewing people just for show. Right. You wouldn't, you wouldn't go out and reach out and talk to somebody when they know full well you're supposedly still interviewing, right? Because then they would raise red flags like, yo, I thought you were still interviewing. So the fact that that conversation behind the scenes happened at all shows that that points to a systematic issue and a culture issue. That means that what it is, it is very likely that teams are all teams are basically using the they're, they're just they've already decided who they're going to hire they probably notified them already but hey we still got to interview a couple, couple people that we have to keep it on the under under wraps and right. then we'll announce it on monday like and so that that's the big issue i think that is the more that's that's the bigger story there that the culture of the front offices is purposely telling people, yeah, you got the job, yeah, but hold off. You know, we still got some other hired, some other interviews we have to do, you know, just check the boxes. So now do you, do you really think that it's consists of all teams or more so the more, I, I don't know if you would, it's the right word to say historical teams, meaning that has the, higher personnel and the owners that have been there for a longer extended period of time as compared to like, for example, the Las Vegas Raiders, he's a newer owner, you know, even the Denver Broncos, even though Denver Broncos are potentially up for sale, but that, that was a newer owner as well. Uh, Mm -hmm. You know, teams like that, uh, that may, may not necessarily agree with or participate in that type of behavior as far as, you know, not applying the Rooney rule the way it's supposed to be. Um, from the owner standpoint, I, I don't know that owners really have much to say or do in the in the day to day. Um, but when you're talking about front offices in the in the NFL, it's very much like Hollywood, right? Like everybody's been with everybody. Right. And so a lot of the a lot pretty much every front office, if you go to any of them, there's, you know, this person came from this team. This person came from this team. This person used to used to be at this team. So it's not that big of a culture sh- culture shift, is it? You know what I'm saying? Like, right. if you if it if it was, I'm pretty sure every per every front office is likely has somebody who's been with one of those more historical teams. Um, but even it, you can't even blame the historical team thing. I mean, one of the most tenured coaches in the league right now, if not the most tenured, is is in Pittsburgh. <laughs> like one of the oldest franchises. Right. So and I think that I think his hiring was actually a, an owner's move. I think the owner actually put the stamp on that one. But it's 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 just I don't know. It's hard for me to believe that 
that type of communication was done so willy-nilly if it wasn't normal. You know what I mean? Like, if you're doing something that you know is not quite right, you're not going to say it to anybody because you don't know if, if, they, if it slips from them. or You have to be comfortable. I mean, this was a completely different organization that's hiring. And it's not like Why it was would a... Bill Belichick know that? Why would they tell Belichick that and he's not even in that organization? Right, and it's not like it was a group text. So it's it's not something that, it, again, I, I st- still go back to, that wasn't an accident. I, I, I'm sorry, you can't not know who you're talking to. No matter how many different text conversations you're having, you got to know who you're talking to. I mean, especially when the red flag hit in that text message. Do you know something that I don't know? Because he wasn't even scheduled to interview for that position until Thursday. It's it's something that it's just doesn't sit right with me. Well, I mean, Belichick is an older guy, so texting may not necessarily be his forte. But and then what what do you think about the the allegations of the owner? with Brian Flores offering him $100,000 to lose games. Obviously, that's not in his blood. He even said that in an interview. But do you think that that is something that probably happened or most definitely happened or or maybe didn't happen and he's just adding to his defense? I guarantee you. I, I Honestly, I feel like it happened. And I feel like the reason money was offered was likely because it had been kind of broached in previous conversations and Brian Flores just was not biting on it. So, you know, that's okay. He hasn't really, you know, I kind of, maybe I joked about it. Maybe I kind of brought it up. He didn't really seem to bite. Let me just flat out come out and offer him the money. Uh, Let's get another, let's get another number one pick in here and see if we can make, make some noise. And and to be honest with you, that may have ultimately been the deciding factor about okay, well, listen, he's not willing to play ball. I want to lose games, and he's not, you know, he's not playing ball. So we got to get him out of here. Now, correct me if I'm wrong. I believe that uh, I'm always always say his name wrong, so I'm just going to go with Tua. He got injured early in the season. They ended up starting at zero and seven. And then he came back, and then they went seven and zero. Correct. Mm-hmm. So, in my opinion, you know, a mix between them telling him to purposely lose games and him doing what he does as a head coach and his team and, and guiding them to win, you know, fulfilling his responsibility as a head coach, he saw something in Tua that nobody else saw, and believed in him which is why they were able to make that shift. Unfortunately, they couldn't do it with the backup, but at the same time, he he had no place going in there and, and saying, "You know what? I'm not I'm not going to I'm not going to take your offer. I I I'm I'm going to do what you hired me to do. I'm going to come in here and fulfill the obligations of my lead role as head coach and I'm going to continue to support my team." Yeah, I mean, and you know, something even more important, not more important, but it's something to add to that. Um, you got to remember just before 
there was a we, there was a con uh, a quarterback dispute in in uh, Miami. You know, yeah, they had Tannehill. Really, you could go back. You know what? Almost five years. They've had the Tannehill, and they had Fitzpatrick there. They had uh, Teddy Bridgewater, I believe, was there at one point as well. So, like, it's been a constant carousel of quarterbacks kind of going through Miami. Right. Right? They don't have any consistency there. Then Tua comes in, but then Tua's hurt. On top of that, Tua hasn't played in quite a long time because he because of his, you know, hurting his knee, he dislocated his, his kneecap. And it, it's that, oh, I'm sorry, that was not his kneecap, it was his hip. He dislocated his hip. Um, but he hadn't played. So not only was he needing to, to learn how to play in the NFL, he's needing to learn how to get used to playing again. They went back and forth with him in the lineup the year before. They still, you know, won 10 games. They come in this year. He's hurt, got more injury issues. They've got other players it hurt. They had COVID issues. Um, and so the team started pretty, pretty low and then they got it going and he's guided them to, uh, it was a nine, nine and what, nine and seven record. Nine so, and eight, right, because we had an extra, extra game. That's issue. right. That's right. Nine and eight. So to me, I mean, until the, and obviously to the world, because everybody was so enraged about it, to have a coach with a team, a, a team full of players that have been hurt, been down, been out you know, could have easily packed it in and just, you know, took the loss and just not, you know, one, maybe one to two games, turned them around and coached them to a winning season, a winning record. In what universe does that get you fired? Right. (laughs) Particularly at a, in a franchise that has been losing. They've gotten used to losing. So particularly in a in, a, in that type of environment, you turn that team around, I'm sure everyone in their market would felt like, oh, here we go again. And then he and then he ends it on a high note. Like it's it's insane. It's insane. So we got okay. Uh step back for a second. The uh, the Rooney Rule. I'm just gonna kind of go over it real quick. Uh, it is an NFL NFL diversity policy that mandates teams interview ethnic minority candidates outside the organization for coaching and front office positions. So it does apply for front office positions, as yep. we had talked about earlier. But it doesn't seem like it's an issue for those positions. It's mo- mostly a, a coaching, specifically the the head of the team, the head coaching position. Now he. Brian Flores is scheduled to interview with the Saints. Do you think that this is another one of those go-arounds where it's they've already got their candidate and they're only trying to apply the Rooney rule? Or do you think that he actually has an opportunity there? And on top of that, do you think that because of this lawsuit, he has potentially risked any future that he has moving forward in the NFL? I, I think I think he has a good chance in, in New Orleans. I think um, New Orleans has a demographic 
that would receive Brian Flores very well. Um, obviously, he can coach, so he'll have to win. That's that's number one. You you have to win. But if you know New Orleans is one of those places. Um, even you know Drew Brees has spoken about it. Sean Payton has spoken about it. like they came in, and the city just just embraced them more than they than they've anywhere they've ever been. And so I think, you know, obviously he speaks to primarily going to be African-American demographic. Um, I, I, I think he has a really good shot of, go, of, of getting that job and actually being successful there. Um, to answer the second he, part he, of your he definitely, question. He definitely has one of the top defenses in the league right now. They are having a quarterback issue going yep. back and forth, so they will have to address that. And he – still has one of the best offenses as well. I, I'm going to say, I, I, I think that aside from the quarterback position and injury, that they'll be okay. They've got, you know, when you have Alvin Kamara, somebody who can play is an every down back, but then can also play, you know, split out wide in the slot or in any kind of, any, any of the receiver spots. That's, that's a tool. That's, that's going to give you a, a comfort level for any quarterback in the league. So it gives him, it gives him something to build on probably more, definitely more than what he had in Miami. Um, but the second part of your question was, you know, do, do I think that that could, you know, the lawsuit could cost him his coaching career. And like I said before, you got to win. And I really think that, you know, take going, going to another situation and then losing could possibly be that nail in the coffin, right? Um, I think that's what hurt Colin Kaepernick. There's no question that Colin Kaepernick can be, you know, productive. Um, but I think the fact that he just was not the way he left, he wasn't very, he wasn't very successful. It's different than a top tier quarterback going out, you know, and you know, and 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 stepping out the way he did it's different. Like when you come back, like if you're a top tier quarterback that you, we know you have productivity. Um, you, you know, I, I want to branch off of that real quick and, and correct me if you, if you disagree, but I, I think there's a huge difference between Brian Flores and Colin Kaepernick in the aspect of maybe they were trying to, or are trying to make the same, message however Colin Kaepernick I feel like just gave up altogether maybe not with his message but just as a player he gave up and refused to do certain things to continue to succeed in the league whereas Brian Flores I don't see giving up doing any of that I, I he still wants to succeed he still wants to be a head coach he still wants to take a team to the Super Bowl and, and prove his ability as a head coach while making a message, he's not going to stop doing certain things just because there is the adversity that he's facing at this point. It's it's more of a situation where he's going to prove a point one and two still succeed in his job. Yeah, I definitely agree with you. Um, I've always stayed. I think Colin Kaepernick shot himself in the foot a couple times. Um and I know there was a you know public outcry to oh why doesn't he have a job? But again, it come 
it's product. First of all, everything comes down to productivity. You have to win, right? If you don't have a track record of winning and I have to now deal with, you know, additional things, I might not be so inclined to take on that headache. If I know that you're going to come out here and dot up the field and, and put points on the board, I'll take that risk. But, you know, in several instances, Colin Kaepernick could have, you know, you know, even that he statements he made after his workout, you know, it was just he didn't put himself in the best position, I feel. But a, the, it, this is a business, right? Name a business that you can go to your boss and tell him, you know, talk to him the way that, you know, say the things that, that Colin Kaepernick did. You can't. You can't go stop hiding. You got to pay me. You got yeah, this. This it's a business. Right. And, and and not only that, you're talking to billionaires. They have egos. Uh, oh, stop hiding. OK, well, watch me hide. Like, you know what I mean? Like, so I do think that they're m- very different in their approaches and their stance and, and, and really in their their success level. Brian Flores is coming off of. Success. Um, Colin Kaepernick had had his Super Bowl run but then had had quite a few failures leading up to, um, you know, his exit from the league. So definitely different spectrums, you know, as far as that. But what I I meant just kind of you're in a situation where it's not just about you as the player. Right. It's about what comes with you. If you're bringing in Colin Kaepernick or you're bringing in Brian Flores, you're inviting everything that comes with it. You know that he has a lawsuit. You're inviting that. You know that whatever, whether it goes his way or doesn't go his way, the league may feel a certain way about it towards you as a team or as an owner. There's a lot that goes with even other owners. You know, they the owners, that's basically its own little community. They may feel a certain type, type of way about that. Right. So, you know, the only way anyone's willing to take on that headache you got to win. If you win, I don't care. <laughs> That's really what it's about. And, and and I would say that even with that mentality, I, I think there's only maybe a handful of teams out there that would actually be willing to take in that mentality. I, I The Las Vegas Raiders have already hired their head coach. However, they're they would be a team in my opinion that has always been about, I don't care what you guys think or the rest of the league thinks we're going to do what we feel comfortable with and what we want and what we like, you know, they've always been the, the, the ugly duckling of the, of the NFL. Anyway, nobody's ever liked them, especially the other owners. They've always fought with them. And of course there was lawsuits with them early on with Al Davis. Uh, And, you know, there's teams like, and I, and I would agree with you with the saints. I think that the saints, he, he, Brian Flores absolutely has a a shot at because there, there's a lot of diversity in that. And, and they welcome everybody so much, especially somebody successful. It's not like they're, you know, obviously we know Sean Payton stepping out for a 
he says maybe a year or two. He still has three years technically on his contract for the Saints. But, you know, if they bring somebody else in that's that's going to win, like Brian Flores did with the Dolphins, I don't think that they have that an issue with that. I think that they're going to embrace that and adjust accordingly. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they took Sean Payton was a new coach when he when he went there. Uh, so he wasn't necessarily a home run, you know, guaranteed home run. Uh, Drew Brees at that point was coming off of sh- uh, uh, shoulder surgery. Nobody really knew, you know, they brought in uh, Philip Rivers into um, Chargers. Then he's trying to figure out where to go after that. He ends up landing in New Orleans. Nobody knows really what's how it's going to play out. And it just happened to work. But even – even with them being unknowns, that community embraced them. So I, I definitely think that that could be a place he could be welcomed and possibly flourish. But um, now, do you think that if he lands, uh, uh, let's say with the Saints, uh, if he lands a head coaching position with the Saints, does he, does he pull the the? the green light on the lawsuit or does he continue with it and still continue being the head coach of the saints? I don't think he has a choice, but to, to run with it. Um, the, the, the card that was played is a very deliberate and specific card. It's not something you can kind of, you know, anything race is, is basically you're all in or you're all, you're not. You know what I mean? Like it's it, we it's a debate. You know, people don't want to talk about. It's really like religion and, and politics. Like it's you're in or you're like you're one side or the other, right? And the stance of and he's actually verbalized it. You know that he understands the gravity of this lawsuit and what it could do to his career. So to pull out at this point purely because he maybe has an opportunity to get another coaching job would destroy his credibility, would destroy his credibility. So So, according to uh, the ringer, the dolphins didn't fire Brian Flores because of his coaching. They, the owner and, and Brian Flores didn't agree on much. And especially the quarterback in Tua, and that prompted the team to make the, the decision to move on from Brian Flores. Now, again, for me, reading that, I, I, I look back at the tech, text messages with Bill Belichick. I, I don't agree with that. I can agree that maybe Brian Flores and, and the owner didn't agree on much. But to sit there and say that it's not about his coaching – I would disagree with because if if his coaching led to being unsuccessful, I could understand it, but he was successful. So even, even when, when they're arguing the fact that also, or especially with Tua, when he was one of the ones that brought them to that success as well, that something doesn't sit right with me on that. What do you think about that? So, I mean, two things there. Number one, he inherited Tua. So they picked him. So, you know, to to say 
oh, well, you know, we didn't see eye to eye on Tua. You you picked Tua just a couple of years ago. Right. That So that statement alone is, you know, it, it, I, like, like I said, it just destroys the credibility. Number The second part of that is, is there has not been a consistent quarterback in Miami and honestly since Marino they have not had any quarterback that has stepped in and really been consistent and they built around that quarterback they had Tannehill Tannehill got hurt a little bit here and there da, da, da. they gave up right that was a decision so they let him go right Tannehill then goes on to go to uh, Tennessee very successful so if if the the quarterback thing is a if that's a sticking point for them like it's i don't know it, it speaks to just the incompetency of it just makes them look incompetent to be honest with you cuz yet again you're you're complaining about a quarterback that that led you out of a hole you were wasn't that long ago that we were wondering if the Dolphins could win a game in a season. I don't know if you recall. You know, obviously you recall that, but they just—they're not that far removed from that point in where they were the bottom of the barrel. So to have a quarterback that comes in and he's—he essentially salvages the season. What what is there not to agree with? Like who? That doesn't even make sense. Except for the fact it, it would make sense if if that quarterback comes in and wins right. and your and your motive is to not win, then that narrative makes sense. Which, you which, want to put the guy in that's not gonna win so that you can tank and get another number one pick. Which which then kind of nullifies the fact that the you know the offers of a hundred thousand dollars to lose each game. So mm-hmm. it does kind of kind of goes side and side with that. It confirms that story. It validates. It really goes further to validate Brian Flores's claims that he was offered money. Absolutely. So it, it's time to wrap this up. And I really enjoyed you having been on the show today. And I hope that you are willing to be on more shows moving forward. Uh, and I hope that you guys enjoyed the content and continue to listen to the show each week. Listen on Anchor, Spotify, Google Podcasts. Make sure to share with your friends. Subscribe to the Frills Daily Show on YouTube and comment the weekly previews. What, if anything, you would like us to cover on the Frills Daily Show. Frills Daily and G out.